Hello and welcome to the Xbox World podcast for Thursday, not Friday, the 21st of April. Unless I do put it up on Friday, but I think I do it on Thursday. So we're probably going to be putting it up on the Thursday because it's a bank holiday on Friday and we're going to be singing at home, just f- fat, bloated. Let's do something different. Let's do chocolate. What will you be playing? What will you be playing on Friday? All right, we'll do that in a minute. I'm talking about being fat and bloated and munching on oh, chocolate. Yeah, so it's uh, the bank holiday. We're going to hook you up with a very special Xbox World podcast for the bank holiday. This is um, a kind of a two-parter. The first is the usual flim-flam that you've come to expect from us jokers. It's just me and Matt today. Hello. Uh, and then we're going to cut to an interview, uh, an interview with uh, John Jack Beltet from, uh, sorry, John Jack Bellatet from uh, Idos Montreal. He's going to talk to us about Deus Ex. I actually recorded that interview yesterday, so it's it's, it's time travel. I, it's, it's beyond me. I don't know. It's a, a pretty interesting interview. It comes hot on the heels of them announcing that they've actually taken the uh, the highlighting system out of the game, or rather made it an option in the game. So he talks about that a little, talks about uh, art design in Deus Ex, talks about why you're going to want to play it, and you're going to want to play it. And guess what? I am going to be playing it. So what, Matt, you're talking about, right, Matt? We're gonna, yeah. what, what are you going to be playing? Well, this week, Bank Holiday, I'm playing Deus Ex, first 10 hours of it. How do you feel about that? Well, is it 10 or is it 15 hours? I well, think I was told 15. Apparently so. If you, uh, if you really explore, if you if you get if you're every, really slow, <laughs> if you're really crap at games, it's gonna be, if you're really crap at games, it's a good 100 hours of gameplay. <laughs> I went to an event last week and I was, I was sat down and I was told... Can you say what the game is? I don't know. No, probably not. No, I can't. Not yet. Okay, we'll sell you next time. And I was told the game's eight hours long and we're giving you 90 minutes to play. So you're 20, giving you a 90 minute, to be clear, you're giving you a 90 minute section well, of an eight hour it, game. To be perfectly clear, it was four sections, four separate sections that when combined should add to 90 minutes of the eight hour game. Yeah. I finished that 90 minute chunk, that, that four, four piece section in, uh, in 20 minutes. So wait, how long is their eight hour game? <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's you know, like that. That fills me with fear. And, like, I, and I know what this game is as well. I'm sorry, readers. I hate it when we have to tease you like this, but... You know, you know how we are. All tees. Uh, so, so you're going to be playing then Deus Ex on Friday? Yeah, I'm going to be. Um, I'm, I'm, we're picking. We're getting our copy in tomorrow. We're actually recording this on Tuesday. Uh, it's going to arrive on Wednesday, and then I'm going to recline all bank holiday playing Deus Ex. Unfortunately, we can't capture any video or any footage or anything like that, and splurge it all over the internet. But uh, we will be able to talk about it, and that will be the content of our next podcast. We'll go into detail big time. So hoping to talk about it on this podcast. Unfortunately, uh, the code's arriving a day later than we expected. But that's going to basically for, constitute like the, uh, the entirety of my bank holiday weekend. I think we can start talking about it pretty soon. I think it's the end of April, so we can start talking. So we'll, we'll tweet about it. We'll talk about it on, the, uh, on Facebook. We'll talk about it on the next podcast. Uh, in the meantime, you'll have to make do with uh, John Jack himself talking about it in an interview at the end of this podcast. What have you been playing this weekend, Matt? I don't know. I might um, I might play a bit of Portal 2 co-op. Now, Portal 2 is a game we're going to be revisiting very soon. We're going to be chatting about that um, for the first portion of this Strongcast in just a minute. Um, but I've only played the single-player campaign at the moment. Co-op, I've got a friend who we're beginning it tonight, and I don't know how far we're going to get, but I think might be good to revisit it on bank holiday. Um, apart from that, Mortal Kombat's just arrived, so I fancy a bit of fighting, a bit of fatalities. Um, a bit I of fatalities. A bit of fatalities. Good English. Oh, dear. It's lucky you don't do um, English for a living. Yeah, it's lucky I don't write. Um, 
And then I don't know. The trouble is, my my stack of games to play is just growing. By I the gotta week. tell readers a story. The um, just, just the <laughs> other day, Matt. Matt, because here's the thing about Matt, Matt. I always joke that he doesn't actually because we because the nature of the business is you get promo copies into the <laughs> office, and any old shit that comes in, Matt is like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take that, guys. I'll, I'll I'll play that. I'm sure. It used to be with achievement hunt, so you'd be like, oh yeah, Matt actually probably will play. Uh, an example, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Like you, you think, well, maybe he would. Uh, who knows? The other day, Matt came comes in <laughs> with a stack of games, which it was like, it was, it must have been 20 games. He, he walks in with a stack <laughs> under his arm. They're all mint, all sealed, all perfect, like the pristine, the, day they, the way they were the day they arrived. He's like, yeah, I guess I'm probably not going to play all of these games. <laughs> and it's it. like NHL 07, which came out in 2006. <laughs> You're wrong. It was MotoGP 07. MotoGP 07, <laughs> NHL 11. Um, Lost, the Lost, game. Lost was a game I actually got all 1,000 points on, so I'm thinking, why do I still have it? I don't need it. Uh, here's the thing. I've, I've kind of fallen out of love of achievements recently, so I can't be asked to play all these shite games. And they're just clogging up my place. It's like, I don't want them. Let's, let's get them back to the office. Uh, here's exactly what I was saying. Ever since I first met you, though, you don't... You, you just pad your collection. You're like, oh, you're like, oh yeah, Mike, I'll have that copy of Mortal Kombat. Do you want to play this copy of Crisis, Mike? Uh, maybe, Matt. Uh, you know, if you didn't want it that much, I'll take it. And it sits in his collection. It just sits on the shelf. Four years later, scrapes the dust off the top and goes, I'll probably take that back to work now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really have a leg to stand on. It's just squirrels store up nuts for the winter, I store up games <laughs> for, for the inevitable drought. Like when 2012 rolls around. There is no drought this year, that's the problem. And, and the world ends and... All there is is electricity piped to my house. Like the streets are smoking. Yeah. Like I'm. I don't know. Food's getting delivered by Domino's Pizza or something. Somehow, I'm still getting food. I'm still getting water, but I can't go outside. I've got games. You're gonna build. I've you could build. You games. could. You forget that. You could build a fort out of all the boxes. You know what though? I mean, shit. If if the future of my games is Overlord Two, I'd rather be dead. Yeah, there was some they rotten, were, there were rotten some stuff. Awful ones. Harry Potter and the, the Deathly, Deathly Hallows Part 1. I, I should have learned because the, the galling thing for me is I play a lot of these games on debug and I play them to completion, but I won't get any achievements because they mm. don't go on my profile. So I think, well, I've already played it once. It'll be easy to race through it again and get the achievements on retail. And then it's just I don't have the heart. No. So. No, which is why we replaced your achievement page in the magazine with our new Indie Guide to blah, blah, blah. That's exactly For the longest time, people on forums were coming out and saying, these guys don't know anything about indie games because we would review indie games and absolutely smash their faces off. We, um, Matt Castle, um, esteemed Matt Castle from Endgamer, would, um, would do our indie reviews and he would do a lovely job of playing them. But he would, what, essentially he would review the bad ones, steering you away from the bad ones. And because it was a lot funnier to do them. But it became apparent that over time, because at first, let's face it, indie, the indie channel was really it bad. It was just bad. But over time, there's been a lot of good stuff coming out of the indie channel, and we thought it was time to start doing the, the channel justice. So what we've done now is, there's plenty of magazines, plenty of websites review them. I mean, to be honest, do once a 40-word review of an indie game? Um, unless it's really funny, which is what they were before. Uh, it's, you're not going to need to say a lot, you're going to need to learn a lot from it, and at the end of it, you get a star rating, and you happily go on your way, and you buy LA Noir instead. But what we decided to do is try and give people like a proper guide to it. You know, pick out a genre and say, well, here's the, here's the, here's the games that are exemplary of the genre. Here's the good ones, here's the bad ones, and here's the one you actually want to buy. And I think that's a nice way of covering it. And it's still Matt covering it, so he's no longer an indie villain. He's now an indie hero. And uh, he's going to lead us into a bold new age of indie coverage. It's a good page as well. It is a good page. I mean, I think there are only 
no, only so many months I could keep talking about achievements. Someone on the forum said, oh, is that the end of the co- column? It's like... I think it kind of had to be. To yeah, be honest, it's, 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 it's had its life. You know, before that, we actually had Dr. Dr. Mike yeah, giving people was, technical that advice. That was lived sadly. It was, uh, it was around for about uh, 11 months, I think. Okay. It, did, it ran for wow. long enough. Bear in mind that most of the, the problems that were in there were ones I had to make up. I don't think I'm like letting people behind the curtain here when I say that when people need technical help on Xbox, they go to the internet. Yeah. They don't go to me. Well, it's not that you made it up. It's like problems that we had. Yeah. It was solve our problems. It was just common problems that would come yeah. up on the internet. So I would, I would, we would just like you cover the common problems. And over eleven months, we covered mm. the eleven most common problems mm. of. And also, I did manage to get a lot of good offensive jokes into that. If you are, if you're a long time reader and you go back and read the Doctor Mike page, there's a lot of seriously offensive <laughs> jokes I managed to sneak under the radar in that in that those pages. I'll, I'll have to go back and read them. Yeah, uh. real real career enders, you know. <laughs> So, um, so I said we'll revisit Portal Two. Yeah, Let's I've, do I've, just I've, that. I've played Portal Two. So you've played Portal Two. I, thanks to you, I, I was away last week on this event for this twenty-minute game. Um, you were in Dublin, back. right? I was in Dublin. Oh, they love Portal Two in Dubbers. Well, I got they, they love it in Dubbers. I'm amazed that nobody spoiled the game for you. Well, I, I, I already warned someone on that trip. I said I don't want to hear about Portal Two. Do you know while you were away, it. a prominent UK video games blog posted the ending of Portal Two, saying it was the a fake ending. They thought it was the real. They, they thought they genuinely believed it was a fake ending. It was sent to them as a fake ending. Someone who pirated the game put the um the video up on YouTube. No. So they, everybody, it was, a, it was the it was an ending to Portal Two that was scrapped. And the blog reported, posted it as verbatim. You're joking. And Twitter went wild. Twitter went wild oh like God. Hulkamania. So I came back late, late Friday night. Um, Saturday, uh, I wake up. Mike had very kindly sent me over the Portal 2 in the post that I had it for the weekend. And I played it Saturday and I finished it Sunday so that when I came back to the office and people were talking about Portal 2, no one was going to spoil it because I'd already finished it. Yeah. And So we went out spoiling it for everybody. Yeah, so we're going to tell you guys who... No. Don't worry, we'll keep this spoiler-free because we know that almost all of you haven't yet had the time yeah. or the chance to play through Portal 2 and to finish it. Yeah, um, so and, we'll to, just and, talk- and to play the bit with the already ride the ostrich. The ostrich riding is superb. Yeah. Um, um, no, but we, let's we, talk very generally Yeah, about jokes aside, we won't, we won't spoil this. Once the statute of limitations has worn off, we will talk about it in a, maybe a few podcasts from now. Um, and when we do, we'll give you a massive spoiler warning then as well. For the time being, it's completely spoiler-free. Uh, to be fair, there's a, people do have a flexible sort of definition of what spoilers are. Mm. So, what are we saying? No plot points or no pl- plot points? That makes it hard to discuss because the game's all plot. It is. Well, let's let's talk about that. I mean, as a as an A to B, well, an A to Z experience, sitting down, playing it through, start to finish, it's superb. I well, mean, someone the other plot, day, the scripting, the the set pieces, the pacing of those set pieces. This conversation already makes me worried because on Reddit the other day, someone was complaining because they didn't know Stephen Merchant was in it, and someone oh, told no, them that's... Stephen Merchant was in it, and then they complained that was a spoiler. No, so hit grammar was Stephen Merchant's in it. He plays a guy called Wheatley. We yeah. know that that's already been in in our previews. It's been in all the trailers. Apart from that. Everything's off limits. All right, so there's this guy called Wheatley. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's for, yeah. Oh, portal guns. Like we can talk about portal gun, but we can't tell them that you shoot the second portal later on. Mm. Just the just the blue portal. Yeah. <laughs> um. So portals, gels, cubes, the, the usual, everything that you know. Let's and love talk plus. about just pure progression through the game. That's all we can talk about. Rather than not things that happen along the way, but 
the way the puzzles develop. Yeah. You know what? If anything, because they, they, they introduced, they said they were going to introduce a lot of new mechanics yeah. in uh, this game. All you guys will know about them already. The the the, tra the, the slippery gel, which makes you run really yeah. fast. The bouncy gel, which makes you jump high. All of these things were actually taken from a game called um, The Power of Paint, which was a project, another one of those projects which Valve loved so much, yeah. much like Portal itself was. They brought the guy in to work on this on Portal. Um, we kind of expected all the way through the game that all the way through development, they would have like they would bring them all together for one grand puzzle. Yeah, that never actually happens, you know. I think the new, all of the new mechanics they introduce are great. Handled so well, introduced so well. They are very underused, though. Mm. I feel like all along, Valve was saying, "Look, don't worry, guys. It's not going to be tough. Like, I mean, it will be tough, but we'll train you up in such a way that you'll be able to cope. You'll be able to manage." Mm. And it turns out. It's not that. It's just that the game is a lot easier than yeah, Portal. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the and that's all it is. It's the, not the that last they, puzzles of Portal Two are a lot easier than the last. It's puzzles not that of they teach you rocket science in a very easy, digestible format. It's just there ain't no rocket science this time around. Mm. It's it's not child's play, but it's a lot simpler than to the point where Tim was totally put off Portal because he said he he couldn't get his head around it. I think there still might be a couple of puzzles that he'd be. He'd not be too keen on, but overall, I think Tim could get through it and not have too much difficulty and, uh, and for, enjoy for it. For flagging Tim up as the worst gamer <laughs> in the world right now. Tim's not the worst gamer in the world. He's just uh, you know, the fairly, worst gamer in the office. Yeah, a fairly normal gamer, I would say. Well, Jem would beat him as the worst gamer in the office. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Um, so, it's, so it's a lot easier than Portal. And I, I think both of us were slightly disappointed at that because we, we really enjoyed the first one. And we wanted a challenge. And I think this isn't a spoiler. And I think one of the things that shocked me and definitely disappointed me about the game was that, well, the challenge, mo the challenge mode, the challenge rooms that I was expecting to go in and be tested in aren't there. Yeah, the really, uh, you really want to, be, you want a point where you get it real tested by the game yeah. and it never happens. Unless, unless the, Valve do a really weird thing and when I finish the co-op campaign this coming week, they appear, you want which to, won't happen. You want that chance to try and do a room with as few portals as possible mm. or in, as fast as possible. And like, that's amazing. Like, people have done amazing videos. There's guys doing rooms in the first portal without using portals. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah. And like, that's the kind of thing that, that invites. And they haven't, they haven't opened the door to let people do that. Yeah. That's a real shame. But... I mean, with the, I think guess the, the thing is, I think Portal was that 10 out of 10 game. Yeah. Today, um, uh, Eurogamer gave the game 10 out of 10. We love Eurogamer, so we don't talk any shit about those guys. But he did give um, Portal 10 out of 10. It's not a score I can agree with myself. I would, I would say a 9. It's a 9, yeah. And in Xbox World, we've given it a big score, man, a real big score. And we can say what it is now. It's a 92, right? I don't know. I've it's, not seen it. It's 92 or 93. I have no idea the and magazine is going to print today. I, I, I was away. I wasn't here. It's funny, man. I came into the office after playing it. And I stayed up all night to play it. And I came to the office. They were, we got, I got the game on the morning, went home, mm -hmm. played it all night, finished it. Came in the next day and I said to everyone, I said to Milf in the office, I was like, uh, Milford Kofok on a PSM3. I said, hey, you know, it's a real good game. Finished it last night. He was like, oh, it must be really short now. I was like, hang on a minute. Hang on. Why, why, why did you say the game must be short? Why don't you say, oh, Mike, you must be really good at games. Oh, Mike, you must be great at games if you finish the game. All that game last night. <laughs> Later on in the afternoon, I said, I said, Matt Castle, I was like, do you want to go borrow my copy of Portal? It's, uh, I finished it. He was like, oh, it must be really short then. I was like, wait, hang on. <laughs> well, that's, give me some credit, you know? 
But I managed to finish it in one night. I still, to be fair, I started playing at five, took a half hour break for dinner, and finished at one thirty in the morning. So it's a pretty substantial game. You know, it's a single player game. It goes. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty big. And if you're rubbish, if you're stupid, it'll take even longer. If you're a bit thick, it'll, you'll, you can double the length. And so you know, there's, there's plenty of game there. Um, and most importantly, it's just a really, really good experience. And I came into the office the next day and I said to Tim, you know, I don't think it's as good as everyone's making out. He was like, oh, what is it, like an eight? I was like, oh, no, no, it's still a nine. Yeah, sure. It's just not like the 95, no. you know? So, so there's something I want to talk about, and it's this 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 claim that Portal 2 is the best game Valve has ever made. And it's something that journos have said, but it's also something Valve has said. And to anyone cl- claiming that, I just say... Go back and look at the other games, Valve. Yeah, go back and replay Half Life Two. Go back and play Half Life One. Yeah. Go play Half Life Two. Episode Two. Dude, go play Portal. I mean, it's the first Portal is better than the second Portal. Portal Two is going to be one of my favorite games this year. I'm I'm absolutely certain of that. But to say it's the best thing Valve has ever done, I think is misleading. Um, It's, It's funny. We're sitting here basically saying, "Oh, the game's not all that, but we love it. It's so good." Yeah, it's, it's, it's. I had so much fun playing through, and um, I think I'm not out of line in saying it's probably the funniest game I've ever played. In terms of scripting and and the acting, like Stephen Merchant is great. He he makes a lot of that game. Merchant's great. Yeah. Um, I feel I found it much funnier than Monkey Islands, for instance. I think he's up there in terms of the ideal comedy game because it is so funny, but it's so. It's intelligent. It's not just quippy little jokes here and there. It's smart. It knows it's clever. There's a lot of really it's good. There's, there's a lot of really good sight gags as well. Visual, very, visual yeah. gags where you'll you'll see something and it's 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 just a really. It, it, I can't even spoil it. So it's, it's, there's a lot of things which hide really good jokes. The more yeah. you look at them, the funnier it gets. Yeah. It, the the way it frames the world, the, the world it creates. I mean, this is a game fundamentally built on in the first one. You know, just a, a science sensor where you're in identical looking stark white rooms yeah and they've somehow crafted a world around that that nugget that idea that feels like by the end you feel like you've had a journey you Mm. feel like you've gone throughout a universe of you know of aperture you feel like you've fully experienced everything portal would ever have to offer you you know if if any if i've got one problem with the game one and genuine problem which i think is a legitimate complaint there's not enough secrets yeah, or I mean, we both agree on this. Maybe, I mean, maybe we'll look back in two months' time and say, ah, we were stupid. Maybe we just couldn't find the we secrets, right? They were so secret that yeah. we didn't spot them. But a couple of times I was using portals. I got out of the map on one of the areas. I got, mm. like, outside of the map using portals. Uh, clipped right through the scenery. And I was like, I, I was like, oh, well, they, they, this, this is a clearly a route they've intended for yeah. people to take. This is amazing. And I got right to this point and I realised I was outside of the map. I'd actually mm. broken, I'd got somewhere they never expected people to go. Uh, I don't know, that's, that's, that suggests to me that, like I say, the, the secrets are really well hidden or they haven't done a good job of rewarding that yeah. need to explore. By the time I got to the end of the game, and you said the same thing in the office. By, by about halfway to... through, I felt I'd been trained to the point where there weren't secrets, so don't bother Yeah, you, 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 you very quickly learn that no matter how hard you look for secret stuff, you're not going to find it, so why bother looking? I mean, like I say, may, maybe it's there. I mean, to be fair, when I was playing it, I was so desperate to get to the end this weekend so that I didn't have it spoiled for me, so that I, I could just see it for myself, that I didn't spend, you know hours trying to find these yeah. secrets i kind of looked half-hearted at some things i thought oh is that something no there's no immediate return i just 
head down and carried on. Now, make no mistake, we did find some secrets, and I found some secrets. I found a few more than you, I think. Yeah, you did. Um, there are plenty of secrets in the game, so I don't think we've like completely douchebagged our way through. We found some stuff, but it feels like... There's a number of times when there was an opportunity to hide something away or give people like an alternate route or something yeah. like that, and they haven't been taken. Could be that those, there's some really, really secret stuff we'll find later. We'll see. We'll find yeah. out. Well, as the, once the community gets hold of it, nothing will be secret for long. I've definitely um, fudged a couple of my solutions. Like There were a couple that I didn't feel were quite precise enough, so there was, in fact, one of the first speed gel tests. I kept failing a jump just not dying but just like missing the ledge mm. and then when I did it I didn't do anything different it was the same thing again it's just I clipped over I never the ledge. had any problems with that jump that um, you're talking about and there was another one in particular that I won't I won't bore you with uh, explaining the whole setup because it's huge but I I definitely completed the puzzle in a way that wasn't supposed to do because I had to hop over railings that couldn't be hopped over so I had to do it with funny that's cool portals. that's the sort of stuff that the guys who are trying to do the challenge rooms with as few portals as possible have to do no absolutely I, I and enjoy the thing that. is like they, they, they had an opportunity to reward players for doing stuff like that and they didn't yeah I mean I, I'm a guy who grew up you know reading about Metroid sequence breaking yeah. you know, throughout my a very good friend um, Andy Mills who actually does stuff for, for us for Xbox World last month's no this month's free book you know to double your gaming score he wrote it he had a website devoted to sequence breaking in all See? the Metroids and I love that and in Portal I don't know I just certainly the lack of challenge rooms I think they haven't capitalised on that speed running yeah I essence. agree I hate speed running you know I hate speed running I, I, I think it's the worst crime you can perpetrate against a video game it's like there's a, there's a couple of different ways to play a video game one is like you know purely for functional and another is to play it really beautifully mm. I think there's a whole like culture of Prince of Persia and Assassin's Creed players yeah. who try and play their games as beautifully as possible yeah. to like you know make every sequence long well, and flowing like, and smooth yeah and, certainly something like Assassin's um, when you craft some some yeah some some tantalising assaults on, on multiple soldiers for instance the first Assassin's Creed I played it through once I played it through about four times I played it through once using nothing but the hidden blade like in all the fights I'd only use the hidden blade and it wasn't like Assassin's 2 where you could block with a blade all you could ever do it's in counter, a fight right? was counter and you yeah. had to get it spot on but the executions you got were so rewarding because yeah. you just stab a guy in the neck out and you looked like a bad man doing yeah, that you, you, really look, you look like you were the bomb and that's they, all of this stuff what you think is all of this really essentially comes from skateboarding games yeah comes from like the Tony like Hawk games where you you run as you and even going back even further like 720 and stuff where you try and chain the best yeah. coolest sequence and you get guys like on those like, like 720 stuff you get guys in, guys in arcades watching people play yeah. as this guy links stuff one thing after another after another these perfect runs and that's like a beautiful way to play any yeah. game the ugliest way that you can play a game is the speed run because when you speed run you are out to break the game as you badly are. as possible. You're, you you clip outside of the map. You abuse like little ch glitches in the geometry, and you you break it as badly as you can. You end up with a very ugly see, game. See, I have a very different opinion of speedrunning because, like, where you see it almost like as as an insult to the game, mm -hmm. I see it as the ultimate like appraisal of it. It's like speedrunning is only undertaken by people who love that title so much that they care about the code underneath the game you're playing. Mm -hmm. They care about like the the hidden boxes, the 
the invisible barriers where they stop so that you can hop over them. They care about the game that you don't see. And it's they almost want to like play the, with the game underneath the game that everyone just plays with and thinks that's the end of the it's story. It's like the guys who can like list off all the continuity errors in Blade Runner or something. They love Blade Runner that much. They're like, but what about that little bit where it does this yeah, thing? Yeah, because the thing with speedrunners, they've already enjoyed the game in every way that you described. They've played it beautifully. They've played it just to get through start to finish to enjoy the story and now they want to just get to the vet the the, the dirt under the nails they, they, because they the want thing, to immerse then, then they would effort. then they unleash an atrocity on the world they unleash this thing which is so ugly the ugliest representation in the game <laughs> the thing which makes the game at its which, which demonstrates the game at its very worst but surely by that point you've already had it being played beautifully and that's all most people need like to satisfy themselves this is just i don't know it's just for a game to to pull people in that much, I think the speedrunning alone is just you know proof that it's it's a great game. It's just that it's managed to capture people in such a way that it's I don't know. I think it, I'm getting all confused. Now, I can but, see I can no I see your point. I can see it, but to me it's kind of like taking some great movie, some like great work of art, thing like I don't know Citizen Kane or something to use the obvious one, and being like, man, I love this Citizen Kane. I'm gonna watch it on fast forward in the wrong order. And that, that, my friend, is the ultimate appreciation of this this thing. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Or maybe it was closer to saying, like, I love Citizen Kane so much, I'm going to watch the rough cut. Mm-hmm. And with Blade Runner, you can actually do that. There's bootlegs of the rough cuts of the film with, like, early special effects and stuff. Do you not think, that's, do you not think stuff. that's worth... I think, it's, I think it's an interesting interpretation of it, for mm-hmm. sure. I think it is interesting. But the final result is something very ugly. Like, mm-hmm. there's no denying that speedruns are ugly things. They are, but I think ugly more for the observer than the actual person doing it. I think the, the person doing it is always going to appreciate what they're playing. Have you ever seen the 10-minute uh, the Oblivion speedrun? I have. Where he just glitches through a column and gets fired up into space. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think that's fascinating. Like, as somebody who devoted hun- literally hundreds of How hours to How do you find Oblivion. something like that? That's amazing. Well, that's part of it. That's, part of it is the fascination that people have stumbled upon these things. Yeah. A lot of it is by accident. Some, like intentional a lot of the metro uh, certainly in the metroid prime stuff were people looking for it and things they found there's somebody who at that time was out of the scene and looking in like thinking this is something i want to be a part of it was really awe-inspiring i to think these these just gamers with no extra info nothing else like i they could can, be me can i can I, can I possibly suggest it's not just gamers with like no info it's gamers with no money like you, you, you've got one game to play, and you're like, "I'm gonna get every penny." Maybe, but that's fine because that's the thing. That's when I was a kid, when I would have like Blast Core. Yeah, that is a hard ass game. I fully platinumed Blast Core. These days, I wouldn't even dream. No. I wouldn't even dream no. of doing that. That was a hundred hours of my life just repeating the same challenges yeah. over and over and over. And because you didn't have that money, you didn't have the money. You were like, "I want." to get every bit of value yeah. out of this game that I can. And hey, you know, speed runs another way of doing that for sure. Valve's um, in Portal, to go back to Portal, like, you know, in Portal 1, they rewarded that. They gave, they gave you a mode which is dedicated to that and they yeah. invited you to break the game as badly as you could. Like I say, you know, there's rooms you can do with no portals. That's, that's astonishing. Um, and that's not in Portal 2. That's kind of, that's kind of disappointing. Do we think um, there's any scope for DLC? Well, for challenge I, rooms? I, I think so, but I, I worry that it might not make it to Xbox. Mm. It might only make it to Steam because you know there's on the uh, Steam version there's actually already a store where you can like uh, t- add skins uh, and stuff and I have not on the Xbox version. Seen. Yeah, the place to play is uh, is PC if you've if you've got a PC that can run it. Mm. But the Xbox version is actually very nice. A little bit jaggy. Yeah, um, it was funny because when we first got Code originally, we were like, oh, it's not not as good as those videos. 
yeah. suggested it. Yeah, it still isn't. But it's still a great looking game. Yeah, it's it? a really nice looking game. And there's a lot of stuff going but on. The art, art, the art style as well. Just the animations are beautiful in that game. There's a lot of animations that are both half physics based and half actual animation. Mm. The commentary will explain that. Oh yeah, Portal 2 has the weakest commentary of any game Valve have done since episode one. I think that it has commentary is still appealing for me because I've yet to play with the commentary, so I, so I will. The commentary I mean, is very sparse. There's very little commentary. It's like you, you're, you're in in any given section, you'll probably at, at best have one commentary note right. or two commentary notes. Um, but still, as always, worth listening to and possibly worth listening to for something that people are going to uncover on the internet in the next few days. There you go. So that rounds off, I guess, the first half of this podcast. Yeah. It? Did you very quickly want to mention anything about our coming holidays? Not really. Royal wedding. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we've got... I imagine a lot of our readers will be taking three days off next week and getting, what, three... Eleven days 11 off. Eleven days for the price of three. Oh, that's good. Eh, I, I kind of like my Tim's job. Tim's doing that. Yeah, he is. I kind of like my job. I'm going to be coming in next week playing uh, L.A. Noir in the office. You are. Yeah, Le Noir. I'm going to be off to a, a driver event on Tuesday. And Everyone at home's going, oh my God, they've given L.A. Noir to Mike. <laughs> He's going to hate it. Now I'm going, with an, I'm going in with an open mind. I'm really looking forward to playing it. I think it's probably because no one else wanted to play it. It's too big. Yeah. Everyone wants to play it at home right, and yeah. enjoy it on their own I, time. I want to enjoy it with, with the missus and just sit down and do a case or two an evening. Yeah. That suits me fine. I don't want to sit down. But see, on an evening, I'm doing cases of my own. I'm casing joints to rob them. You are. Yeah. So I've got, I've got to play it on the daytime in the You've office. You've got a train. But everyone's insisted I play it with headphones on. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't, just won't spoil Both it for me anyone. me and Matt Castle, who's it's nearby, have, have requested that it's a headphones only game. But so what I'm going to do is reenact scenes from the game. <laughs> As in progress, I'm going to respond like, I'm going to read all of the dialogue that my character's saying. Yeah. Out loud. So you only, you're going to only get half of the conversation, but it'll be... I'll act it really well oh and you know, it'll be like just like the game because it'll be like full facial motion capture <laughs> except you can just look at my face I, I said, oh, I, we were, we've literally just come off of recording a DVD which no one's going to see until June anyway so <laughs> it doesn't matter I can make the same joke now all the characters in um, L.A. Noir remind me of Boglins <laughs> remember Boglins those little rubber puppets where you put your hand inside and you sort of put your fingers in the eye sockets and you grab the lips with your, your, your pinky finger oh, and they've got these rubber faces I'm really worried that all the characters in L.A. Noir are going to look like Boglins. It's like rubber masks stretched atop this like this polygon I mesh. I think it's a lot better than that. Yeah, I, really I think do. so. I don't know. <laughs> I think it looks rubbish. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am. I promise you, I am going in with an open mind. But I really do think, at the moment, what I've seen in it, I think the facial image looks. <laughs> are you david cage's like best mate <laughs> because david cage thinks it looks rubbish as well right he does well i think i think david cage secretly thinks he looks brilliant but you think he's just but like he's, misdirecting yeah he's, he's he's mr quantic dreams he's got he's got to bang the drum for his he's studio. got to be like our technology is so much better our 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 plastic men are so much better than uh rockstar's rubber men well it's like i don't know <laughs> I, I, the, the impression i get is like this is imp- this thing is whatever it is. This thing is important. The whole industry should be doing this thing, and then the in- someone else in the industry does that thing or does that thing better. Yeah, it's like I thought of it first. It's not as good as mine. Yeah, I, own, I own this idea. <laughs> I was really worried, right? Because in the one thing I remember playing most of it, playing Heavy Rain, is how stiff everybody was. Okay. Everyone was made of wood, right? And uh, what I worry is that it's like David Cage's 
wooden men, his fucking his wooden tops, up against <laughs> against rock stars, rubber men. In, in rock stars, Boglins <laughs> versus puppets. <laughs> this is Thunderbirds, right? Thunderbirds versus these Boglins, <laughs> because it's not just their faces that are made of rubber. It's like they've got that um, natural motion, yeah, yeah. Um, euphoria. euphoria physics, right? So when they get hit by a car, they instantly turn to rubber. So not only have they got rubber bodies from GTA, they've got rubber faces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to see like a Street Fighter cross tech, and I'd like to see like a, a Boglins versus yeah, heavy puppets. heavy rain versus La Noire. It could be an act off. You yeah. could get them on stage, and they they throw acting moves towards each other. Yeah, so you got like the the, the, guy, the rubber guys are like got like a billion facial ticks, and they wrote their they're still, their arms are flailing around like Mister Tickle. <laughs> and you got the wooden top man, just like brilliant. Oh man, alive! Call it the extras factor. There you go. Show, oh. game, whatever, whatever you want. I'd, I'd, I'd watch that, man. I, 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 but I, I, I swear, readers, I swear, readers, I am going in with an open <laughs> mind. I promise you, I really am going in with an open mind. It's just, I, I'm sure when I get into it, it's going to look amazing. I mean, it, it, the tech is wickedly impressive. How do, how did we get from Royal Family to Boglins? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But you actually going to sit and watch the Royal Wedding? I don't know. I think... Um, I think Lucy wants to Of course to you're not going to sit and watch the royal wedding. I might, I might watch a bit of the ceremony. I know Lucy wants to. And I can't sit upstairs on my Mac all day. So I'll have to come down and, and at least look like I'm being a good it's husband. only because you don't know where the good porn's at. Otherwise you can sit on your Mac all day long. Send me some links. Yeah, I'll hook you up. So um, no, I'll probably see the ceremony just, you know, having had a wedding. Why? Well, having just Nothing been is married more boring than weddings. I don't want to see my best friend get married. I want to see myself get married. <laughs> I would walk out of my own wedding in disgust. There you go. I, I, this weddings are the most boring occasions because the party afterwards is awesome. Like that's that's what everybody wants to go to. Weddings are the most boring occasions. Not in the world. not if you're the one getting married. I'm sure they're the bomb if you're the one getting married. But you know what? Like ain't nobody topping a royal wedding. No. Like that is going to be the most opulent opulent thing. And you're paying for it. How do you feel about that? Brilliant. Yeah. I'm paying for it all. Actually, I've got the bill this week. <laughs> they should do that. They should contact Kate, Kate Middleton's parents and the Queen should be like. So uh, customary for the... No, for the, apparently they put up, put up like 100 grand for it. Kate, Kate's parents are paying like 100 grand towards the wedding. They're paying 100 grand towards the wedding. Which will pay for about 10 minutes of all the police there. I was going to say, yeah. It's what a brilliant day to commit crimes in London, though. <laughs> <laughs> no one's there. Like, what, what a brilliant day to rob a bank. Why not? But, but hang on, silly. This, this might be a really naive question. Are banks open on bank holiday? I don't, I don't think they are. Of course. So, in that, well, the news agents. That might be hard. Then, a lot of other shops will be though. So you, you, they'll be they'll be fully robbable. Yeah. Because they'll be all, all be understaffed. Like I, I, the one thing you don't want to do is rob like any public entertainment venue. Cinemas no. will be rammed that day because everyone because all the ch- channels all day long will be nothing but weddings, weddings, yeah. weddings, 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 and all the police in London will be like, oh, "I was proceeding in a northerly direction when I saw a perpetrator robbing a bank." But he was he was on his way to the um yeah, uh, to the royal wedding. And you had to you had to make sure that nobody yeah, fired poor, a bullet at the royal poor family. Janice back at the uh, back at the police station. She's filling all these calls. She's got no coppers to send. Yeah, I think that actually happened in Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> And uh, you could actually enact the plan from Die Hard with a Vengeance, rob <laughs> all the gold from London's vaults. There you go. Uh, you've got enough time as well. It's, it's, you've got a week. You've got a plan in time. Yeah. Get the blueprints tonight. Oh no, because this podcast ain't going out till Thursday. They've mm. still got a week. Three Well, we're three days when we'll get a start on it, Mike. Excellent. We'll get our plan sorted for a few days. Let's take our week, week jokes back to the office and yeah. away from our readers. So um, what I should do is introduce the next segment of the podcast. The podcast isn't over. We are... 
Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to go. But the next segment of the podcast is uh, coming. It's uh, me uh, versus Jean-Jacques Beltet. It's not really a conversation. It's more an interview. So it's, um, it's me throwing massively soft softballs at JJB. Hang on. They were my questions. I filled it. Yeah, you. a few of them were. Yeah. A few of them were. Soft questions. Soft questions. Well, the thing is, it's not like I'm going in there with an agenda to take this guy down. You're not like I'm not, Paxman. Je- I'm not Paxman. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not David Frost taking down Nixon or anything. <laughs> It's uh, it's a, me interviewing a nice guy with a quality game, and it's uh, he, he talk, he says some very interesting things about it. Okay, this is Mike. Um, if everything's gone to plan, this is attached to our most recent podcast. I'm here with John Jacques Belletet. That's it from uh, Idos Montreal. Mm-hmm. Been there for how long now? Four years. Four years, and you guys, um, you guys were built to make this game, right? You guys came together for this game. We we uh, we left what we were doing somewhere else. Just to do this game and build a studio, yeah. Okay, so a lot of our readers will be familiar with the uh, the first hands-on we did. I think a lot of people listening online are going to yeah. be familiar with all the stories that have come out of the first hands-on. Uh, since then, the game's changed quite a bit. You're in the polished phase. Has the game's been fully playable from start to finish since around December at this point? Um, right? this, um, December, I mean... Let's say it would have been quite hard to do a full playthrough. Uh, you know, it was kind of maybe like playing the lottery. You know, okay. what I mean? the, the 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 freeze, the 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 freeze lottery. You know, making sure that I don't think it was all that possible in December. But now the game is fully playable, no problems. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, there's, you know, some bugs. What we're doing now, polishing and debugging. You know, but um, yeah, I mean, um, the, Jeff, the game director, has finished it. Um, even our general manager, uh, Destu, has finished it already. Um, you know, I bring it home regularly to play it. I haven't finished it myself right now, but uh, you know, I, I go through some very big chunks regularly now. Yeah. How long does it take a guy who plays the way you play? to finish it the way that I play the game I think you know because in all the play tests uh, that we've done at work uh, usually it takes people about 25 hours to finish the game and that I would say is a is a kind of like main quest playthrough with you know a few exploration you know kind of like snooping around and uh, limited kind of side questing because we give them five days and they do uh, you know nine to five uh, uh, playing so I guess the game can easily go to 30, 35 hours, which is what it would take a player like me, which is I like to like talk to everybody. That's being real thorough, chatting to everybody, yeah. doing every mission. All, all the missions, you know, trying to make sure that I get all the, 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 the weapons and the pickups and really get into the, the fantasy of the game, you know. Is it possible to play every mission on one playthrough or are there certain missions which will be locked off based on decisions you make? Um... That's a good question, man. That's a very good question. I guess you'll have to play to really uh, realize that. One thing's for sure, though, is the uh, the augmentations. Like, you can't max out all your augmentations in one playthrough, you know, if you're one of your skills or whatever. Um, is really... You can be like a jack-of-all-trade if you want, but if you really want to specialize, you know, hacking, social, combat, or something like that, you won't be able to max out the other ones. That's how the game's been balanced. Have you noticed, like, a, a difference in the way the QA team on this this game, the um, the testers, uh, have, um, have reacted to this game? Because, I mean, testers tend to get a bit ground down by playing the same game over and over mm-hmm. and over, but with Deus Ex, presumably there's a lot of variety, there's a lot of different things they can do. Do these guys approach the game differently? Do they talk about the game differently? Yeah, yeah, they did really. Um, we've like I've heard obviously a lot of those guys are are friends of mine because we have uh, we have our, our own uh, uh, test studio right at um, at the office, and um, a lot of them is you know they've told me you know usually by this point you know by by this time with any game that they've been 
um, testing for so long, they just they can't even think about it anymore. You know, they just they just want to puke when they think about it. You know, it just uh, it just becomes this overwhelming um, feeling of having played and played and played and played this game in, in all sorts of different buggy states. And uh, with DSX, what they actually say is that they're still having a lot of fun playing it right now, even after all this time of testing it and replaying the same maps over and over. And they're still seeing stuff they've never seen before, a combination of of choices or, or consequences to their choices and decisions that they've never seen before and stuff like that. So it's very, very encouraging. Yeah. Are you guys tweaking based on their feedback or on like journalist feedback? I know some things you're tweaking, obviously, based on community feedback. Sure. I, I mean, we tweak, we tweak based on as, as much feedback as um, you know, as we can get, and also, so I mean, it's from all sources, obviously from them, and 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 from hands-on, and also from the community. I mean, then it's just a matter of seeing which ones are are worth, you know, changing, and as well, can we afford to change them at, at you know whatever stage we're at when we get them? You know, mm-hmm. is it because right now it's very dangerous? Is that we're we're trying to take the bugs out of the game, <laughs> yeah. not adding new bugs in the game, and every time you add new features, that's what happens. So, uh, a very good example to that, you know, uh, uh, the community has been very voicey lately about the um, the highlighting in the game, the fact that all this stuff that you can interact with, you know, gets like this yellowish highlight around it, you know, and people thought that it would make it too easy or too obvious or something like that. And uh, so we sat down with the programmers and we analyzed what it actually meant to do this, how long it would take and how much of a, of a risk it was for the stage that we at now. Um, and we decided to go ahead with it. So we totally listened to the community for that. And I think we gave them what they want. So the way that it works, that it's an option. You can go into the menu and you can turn it on and or, or off whenever you want in the game. Uh, and as well, depending on the difficulty level that you choose. So the first one is called, uh, the, basically the easy level is called tell me a story, right? So that's that's the kind of uh, difficulty that I like to play. I don't, I'm not someone who likes to be overly um, kind of challenge in the game in the way I, I, to me a, a good game is like reading a good book i want to live an experience you know um so that's the kind of stuff that i choose in that in that uh, difficulty level the highlighting is turned on by default um but still if you don't like it you can still play it tell me a story and go uh, and go and go turn it off then the second one give me a challenge as well is turned on but then you can turn it off and the final difficulty level, which is the hard one, it's called, you know, I want to play DSX um, or give me DSX, something like that. Um, this one is turned off by default. Mm-hmm. So no highlighting in that one. But again, if you want to turn it on at any point, you can go into the options and turn it on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we totally listened to what they wanted and we did it. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that you've been specifically responsible for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've given the game its look. You and your team have built this world. You've built... Dozens, well, hundreds even of uh, fake brands for the game. Yeah, a hundred. Yeah, it's about a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, this is a, a lot of investment in this world. You know, this is. I think you said you had more pre-production on this game than you've ever had on yeah. a game before. This is. You spent a real long time just building brands. You know, building the world. Yeah. That's a luxury that you've you've not not had before, right? No, that's totally luxury, big time. And uh, um, I think this is what. I think this is what you need if you want to really create like a credible world that people are are really gonna um, kind of get into and and get like a real flavor out of the world. You know, like having like a taste that lingers inside of you once you turn off your console. You know what I mean? Like you've just finished a play session and you go to bed and it just kind of you still think about it. Um, I think the more I think the more kind of generic or casually designed game. Are the games that don't really generate that kind of that kind of feeling? In order for the game to have that, you really need to have like a major investment in in creating this credibility, and it has nothing to do with photorealism or or recreating every little minute variable of our world. It really has to do with 
you know, putting as much details as you uh, uh, as you can and just like creating all sorts of things and lots of objects and, 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 and the moods and, you know, giving some spice to the to the to the, to the environments that you design. And that's really what, um, yeah, connects emotionally with people. And that's I, I, I think that's what we did. And hopefully it's going to work out that way. And um, you know, the world's kind of reflected in fashion designs, reflected, yeah. reflected in the architecture. All of these things are coming together like. The fact is, guys like Sid Mead were designing, you know, Blade Runner and so on, but he didn't have people walking around his sets exploring every nook and cranny. Yeah. Know? He didn't have everyone exploring <laughs> that. How much is, how much do you think that's like the density of your world is? You look at these are massive spaces that are incredibly dense. What kind of, compared to other projects you've worked on, what kind of art resources do you just have to sort of throw at this game to build a world so dense and so rich? Yeah. Um, well, usually what I say to that, we have um, like probably over like 1,300 props that we designed for the game just to be able to kind of furnish it that way, right? Um, do all the cluttering and, and again, that kind of credibility of things, you know, like often like in games, you know, they tell you, oh yeah, go to this laboratory or go to the, to the, to the med lab or something and you get there and okay they made it blue instead of red and then uh, the props are going to be like uh, there's a microscope and there's like uh, you know little vials or whatever you call that and there might be like a, a cranium or something and then those three props are repeated all over you know the three floors of the laboratory and it's like no no way man I, I can't get into this world like mm-hmm. this, they're not selling it to me you know what I mean so that's really what we put a lot of efforts in is, is just to create massive amount of props which have all been concept arted and reproduced as is in a game because the game has a very like homogenous style right which is also something I really believe that helps creating that flavor and that credibility is to have a style that just stays the same the entire game and everything is part of that style of character the props environments lighting everything um and 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 yeah so so there's that and then and then something else that makes it um that we invested a lot into is like you said is the fashion design and all the architecture and all that kind of stuff because it's something often in games again we talk um you know we talk about character designs but we never talk about you know, fashion design Mm -hmm. and thing like that, which is, you know, two very different things. Like it's one thing to have a cool character, but it's, I think even more difficult to have proper fashion design. And yeah, like the good example also you, you give about Sid Mead and, or Blade Runner is like when you do a set for a movie, you know, it's filmed in one direction or, or whatever. There might be different camera views, but I mean, what's on the film at the end is all you can see. You know what I mean? That's in the game. People can just, like you said, observe in every mm-hmm. angle and get close and whatnot. So yeah, tremendous amount of details and tremendous amount of, uh, of um, reasoning behind those details yeah. and, and how things work. So, I mean, hopefully under the microscope to get uh, all those things to uh, hold together. Yeah. Well, sci-fi visions in video games, particularly in video games, tend to boil down to looking like Blade Runner yeah. or looking like Aliens. There's the two uh, crutches that people seem to fall back on. Yeah, or I would also add Star Wars and Star Trek. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> to build a, a completely new world, but at the same time, making it cyberpunky is yeah. is a cha- is was a, presumably a big challenge. It was it was a quite a big challenge. Um, obviously, you know, you do you do the ASX game, you know, it's going to be cyberpunk. You can't get around. Yeah. You can't get away from it. But I mean, you said before, like you know, the original um, Deus Ex didn't really have an art style. You know, obviously yeah. to speak of, right? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've said something like that. It's it's just really that um, it was uh, you know, it was very kind of like contemporary looking, and uh, it, it was again, it's like this idea of kind of you know recreating things as they are or, or stuff like that. So I mean, it looked it looked it looked fine, like it give you it give you what you needed, but I definitely wanted to bring something more um, kind of eclectic to the 
to the mm. style. So it's something that was like our signature, you know, like a, at the end of the day, it's, for, it's, it's still, it's your product, you know, and if you want to see it as a work of art, um, I don't know if it is, I hope it is, but it has to come from your guts, you know, it has to be, you have to pour some of yourself into it, you know what I mean? That's what, that's what a real creation is all about. So if you just kind of reproduce things as they are, you just make it look like something that was previously done. I mean, what does that say about your own potential for creativity and, and stuff like and vision, right? So, um, you know, Cyberpunk had been kind of dormant when we started that pretty much a latest work of cyberpunk is like the matrix you know mm. <laughs> and uh and one of my, my one of the reasons i think is because the world we live in today is cyberpunk now in a sense that most of the trappings of cyberpunk is you know pretty much have them all today i mean obviously not replicants and stuff like that or whatever but you get what i mean so um that's when i started looking for an analogy and when the renaissance came in and all and all that kind of stuff you know the relationship between you know transhumanism and the renaissance era and everything and i said hey why, why don't we kind of try to somehow incorporate those those variables together and and try to create our own cyberpunk flavor which is now we call um cyber renaissance and um yeah and give it a whole new aesthetics while being cyberpunk at the same time yeah and, and look different from star wars and star trek and aliens and all those things which i mean you, again you can't get around them neither but what you do you, know th- what I mean. you think of the look of the new star trek uh it's fine yeah i mean nothing special okay in a sense that it's really well executed and stuff like that but i mean it's a. Uh, I personally you know i mean uh personally there's nothing really to those all those lens flares were amazing though but yeah <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean it's a it's an aesthetic choice it's an aesthetic choice yeah it was Much funny like, uh, the, the 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 day that we went and we saw it the the latest star trek with a bunch of guys from work and uh the next day one of them took a screenshot from uh because after that we went for a beer and we we're talking about all those lens flares and the next morning some guy took a screenshot from dsx uh human revolution and he just added like a whole bunch of lens flares in photoshop and he sent it to everybody he's like there we go john says this is a new art direction <laughs> for the game is that's pa- quite funny is it a pain in the ass taking art guys to see any movie the, depending on which ones but yeah we definitely have a few that are extremely extremely uh picky and critiquey and yeah 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 for sure. so the big art style i guess the big certainly in screenshots that have come out the one of the the, the biggest themes you'll see in much the same way as the lens flares and perhaps criticized as much as the lens flares yeah. in this x is yeah. the amount of gold and yeah. yellow to in the game yeah. is the whole game gold and yellow no no so you can tell people you can reassure people the whole yeah. game's not that one yeah. color it's definitely um it's it's the color palette that we wanted to communicate with you know so it's 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 very much used in marketing and i mean it's in tons of places in the game but we really wanted to kind of like ingrain that that when you see those colors you think about human revolution mm-hmm. now this being said there's tons of environments in the game um that don't have that at all um or 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 you know in in an amount that's you know reduced uh quite a bit yeah but this being said, it is uh, probably the prominent palette of the game. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've um, you were talking earlier about the uh, the fashion design. To get back to that a little yeah. bit, because uh, I'm not sure how many of our readers are going to be in- incredibly interested in fashion design. But you said before, like your inspirations have included uh, Gareth Pugh and uh, Iris Van Herpen and Alexander McQueen and yeah. Vivian Westwood and all this. You've got this style in the game. This. Uh, you said you you once said you were trying you if you could make a change to the game you would have brought on a fashion designer because yeah. you, you for you thinking as a fashion designer isn't a natural thing. No, um, that's that's not what we do, right? It's uh, and and mostly also like the culture of concept art in video games um, revolves around a lot, kind of you know designing weapons and 
big armors and and you know and girls. people would speak designing characters rather than designing a character <coughs> and then dressing them exactly you know it, it's really all about that and and making them look kind of badass and making girls with you know big cleavage and skimpy outfits no no but it's really it's really true um uh, and now this being said you might have some extremely talented concept artists i mean we had some of the best ones in the industry um the things is that making credible fashion design and thinking and especially when you tell them listen i want it to look cyberpunk and i want it to look a bit like the renaissance and i want it to look like it's wearable today at the same time you know so they're just kind of like uh, and it's totally normal it's just they didn't go to fashion school i didn't even go to fashion school myself i just had this crazy idea so it was quite hard um but then when it starts flowing you know because they're so talented when they start picking it up uh, you know, and you've like tinkered at it with them for so long. And then at one point you start seeing stuff like I didn't know about Garrett Pugh at the beginning. And you start seeing his stuff and you're like, wow, check it out. Like it actually happens. It's like I couldn't walk into the office one day with like an image and say, this is what mixing cyberpunk and renaissance together looks like. That, mm. that did not exist. Um, so we kind of had to invent it and we went through some really crazy stuff, you know. Um, so, you know, if 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 this was to be um, started again, I would probably, you know, just have like um hire like a fashion designer not for the entire game and not necessarily to do the final designs but just kind of like to kickstart this whole kind of um mentality of of fashion design and how to approach it and everything you know and it's the same for everything else when you when you build a world from scratch like we did and you want to make it credible even if it's stylized if it's not photorealistic you know you need to think like architects you need to think like interior decorators you need to think like industrial designers you think you need to think like urbanists graphic designers and all stuff like that and again you know um you might be an extremely talented uh, concept artist or artist or art director, but, you know, you haven't studied all, all those fields, you know, so mm-hmm. you need to massive amount of, ref- of references and stuff like that. So mm. I guess what I'm getting at with all of this is, you know, the sheer amount of detail that's gone into the game. Yeah. How does that compare to games you worked on before? I mean, obviously you worked on Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia, correct? Far Cry. Far Cry. How does the amount of work you've invested into this game compare to previous games? Well, uh, the, the way that I've always wanted to work is exactly the way that I, that I was allowed to work on, on a human revolution, but I was never really able to get into this, this kind of details. Now, usually um, um, this amount of details is something that, you know, they allow you to do if it's absolutely something that the player is going to see and, and, and from like really up close and stuff like that. Um, you know, a producer once told me, you know, like if, uh, you know, if the fish is under the water, you know, the fish that you have to design or something or to model, and it's kind of, I don't know, like 15 foot away from the player, you know, like, I don't want you to put too much details on the fish. Well, I mean, there's still going to be a difference. People are going to feel it, even though if you, you know, really, really kind of work at it, it might sound like a little trivial example, but it's all I could think about right now. But my point is, my point is that, yeah, there was definitely, uh, usually I would get stopped right before um, where I was allowed to to push everything in mm-hmm. human revolution. Yeah. And here I totally had carte blanche and I, I need to thank uh, David Alfossi, the producer for this and Stefan, you know, studio manager and all that stuff for the patience and allowing me to do this. And the money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So um, I was chatting to, um, at Gamescom last year, I was talking to Warren Spector, and he mm. said, uh, obviously a guy whose own history is very much entrenched in Deus Ex, he said that modern games aren't less complex than they used to be, they're just better presented. If we present the same complexity, far better. I think a lot of the community, like, like there's people right in the community right now looking for things to complain about. Highlighting yeah. was one of them. Yeah. The yellow is another thing. Yeah. There's all sorts of things. That is on a console is another one. But 
one of them I think is a lot of people kind of afraid that maybe it's not you know it's not it's Deus Ex but less Deus Ex it's not not as complicated not as deep not as uh, not as you know it's not as much to get your teeth into as it mm. used to be just because perhaps because of the way it's being presented mm. is that true is it I mean is there is there is it less less like no 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 I mean not at all I mean uh, I'm you know they'll play it and they'll 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 see it you know uh, just you know you guys will play it very soon as well you have the the preview code and you know we'll give you a nice big chunk of the game and you'll see if everything's gone to plan we will have talked about that before this even though I'm recording this interview before I'm playing the game mm. so when we splice these podcasts together no one will know the difference no one will know the difference alright fair enough um, but it, yeah no this is it This is, I think I think we really managed to make uh, reproduce the DSX flavor and the DSX gameplay and stuff like that and it's all there which is uh, yeah okay you know health regen yeah okay no health packs fair enough you, know. you guys have really listened to the community on this thing, but where, where was the line that you drew, drew with? Like, you know, what's what's too far? What's what's too what is what demands are too great? You know, I don't think we really kind of set an actual scale for that, or that we told each other, hey, when it starts sounding like this or that, that's when we don't do it. Or that's when it's it's being they're just pushing it too far. I think, uh, you know, I think we're quite confident about what we did. Um, you know, it, it, making a game is so much work, it's so big, it's so much people, you, you just need to move forward as well. If you doubt yourself too much, um, if you if you kind of always try this or that, or it's like, oh, no, no, actually, no, this, I don't think it's going to be good, we need to redo this, or whatever, um, you're just diluting, or you're just losing time or money, or you're not even sh- sure that the next thing you'll try is going to be better, or whatever. I think I think you need to have a, 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 you know, a decent enough vision, and you need to go with it, and you need to move forward, and you need to have people that are in place that are strong enough to just kind of keep the boat going that way and it's mm-hmm. much harder than it sounds and if you start just like dancing on a different foot every day um you'll never go anywhere so i mean yeah there's some choices we made that maybe not everybody's going to be happy about um i mean what from what they heard but i think once the things that once you actually start playing the game and you get into it um you start realizing yeah this is it this is this is dsx and it it's got a few new things really yeah mm-hmm. the, well, the vision you kind of committed to at this point is just because the nature of game production is um is a uh, a four-year-old vision, you know. Has anything come along in the meantime, and you're just like, oh, that, that, if only I could, have, if only I thought of that, or, or do you think yes, this game is going to be very much ahead of the curve when it finally hits shelves in August? Um, I, I well, ahead of the curve. I mean, it's it's not up to me to say that. Um, I think it'll be you guys and the and and the fans and the players and stuff like that. I mean, if it is great, um, I think though what it is is, uh, you know, Warren Spector is very really right in what in what he told you there, what you just mentioned, and as well that. A lot of the games today borrow a lot from the, you know, if you think of, uh, you know, the Mass Effects and the Fallout and, and, and you know, even like the Knights of the Old Republic and stuff like that. Um, now, this being said, I think the actual true DSX flavor, all these elements, all of them put together the way that it was in the first one hasn't been reproduced yet. I mean, since. Sorry. And I think that's what we did. So does that put us ahead of the curve? I have no idea. But it's definitely... Um, going to be something that I think hasn't been done um, in the past 10 years. Um, so, yeah. And then in, in terms of uh, stuff that, you know, in four years now I look back or somebody looks back and like, oh, man, now we should so do this or that. Um, in terms of uh, gameplay, game design or story, whatever. I mean, I don't want to answer for Jeff or Mary or Frank or or even Steve for the music. That, that would be up to them to answer. On my side, um, because I wanted such a like a singular signature, like I want to make something that really, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, what what Unreal 3 engine game is that again or, or whatever. I wanted to have like a signature. You just look at a couple screenshots and you know right away that it's dsx um so to have the stylization to have the 
the you know a bit of the Renaissance whiff in there and architecture, this, this, and that. Um, now we know so much what that recipe is, but it took quite a long time to get there that there's so much stuff that I can look back and say, man, this should have been done like this. This, oh, we so should have put this there instead. Nah, nah, nah. But that's normal, I think, for especially for the artistic part, it's normal to, to see it like that. But I guess that because we wanted to have something that was new and different, now with hindsight, it's even clearer um, what it is. You understand what I mean? Like, really, what that that equation is. Yeah. If I had a suspicious mind, John, I would say that you kind of built yourself a real foundation for a whole franchise here. You know? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I'm having fun. When people finally play the game in August, how do you want to see them play it? Wow, it's a cool question. Um, I mean, I, I want to see them play play it um, however they want to play it because this is what the game allows um, allows them to play, and I want to see. I want to see all the possibilities that this game offers. You know, this was so great at the hands-on, seeing all the journalists talking about, oh, that's not how it happened for me. Oh, I didn't see this guy. What, this guy told you that? No way. You know, no, 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 no. So that's what I want to see. But mostly, um, I want to see people play just like I played it. I played the first one the first time, you know, like uh, I installed it and like 10 hours later, I blinked for the first time and then it was nighttime and I hadn't, didn't see the time pass at all. Mm. That's that's how I wanted to play it, yeah. Okay, well, thanks very much. Thank you. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. And uh Looking forward to the game. Yes. Bye-bye. Ciao. So that was uh, me and Jean-Jacques Bellatet. Bellatet, even. God damn. That, game, that guy's name is all kinds of French. <laughs> it's three flavors of French in one name. Oh, okay. uh, so um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you look after yourselves over the bank holiday. I hope you enjoy the royal wedding. I hope you enjoy it wherever you spend it. Um, However you spend it. Thank the royal if family, if nothing else, for that wonderful day off. Because, you know, spend it in the pub. Take care. We'll be back in two weeks with the usual podcast. Uh, with a bit of luck we'll get Tim on that one and uh, we'll see you then bye 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 bye